Run and back off. Engine one is gone. Two's about to blow. Right. Are you a Blackstar? Uh-huh. All right, engine one now. You and me, fifth wheel. We'll unhook the tank. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where it's one man, one bullet, in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 93, which begins with Maddie and the Valkyrie coming up around the war-rigged counterattack, and it ends with the Valkyrie doing a tactical roll after falling from the motorcycle. Happy Friday, Julia. Happy Friday. Here we are at the end of the week, and the end of the nonsense with Slit on the Razor Cola. Peeking ahead a little bit, do we ever see him again? Oh, yes. Okay, for crying out loud. The war boy that wouldn't die. At the very top of the minute, we're still stuck in the pissing contest between Max and Slit. He's got the two bottles he's spraying in. And from behind the war rig, to my delight, come (laughs) the Valkyrie and Maddie, who is riding. And we hear Maddie's name on Monday, but it is so awesome just the way that... We're looking right around second two. The camera is tracking. You see Razor Cola and the war rig. And then from behind the war rig is the motorcycle. And the Valkyrie is standing on the motorcycle, bracing her knees against Maddie's back. And she's got the rifle pointed straight up. And as she emerges from behind the war rig, she levels that gun at the Razor Cola. And it is such an awesome visual. It really is. It really highlights her abilities. Her mastery. Which I really appreciate because the way that she was very first introduced to us as a trap, she was using her feminine body to trap people. So that is a bit more of the flat, one-sided female character that we're frankly used to seeing in movies. And now that a little bit of time has passed, we see that there are more sides to her. She's also extremely skilled in writing and shooting and judgment and sneakiness and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the rifle that she's leveling at the enemy vehicle, according to the Internet Movie Firearms Database, most of the Vuvulini, including the Valkyrie here, are using Enfield Pattern 1853 rifles with Snyder conversions as their primary weapons. The Enfield Pattern 1853 rifle musket, also known as the Pattern 1853 Enfield, was a 5.77 caliber Mini A type muzzle loading rifled musket. That's not a little lead ball, it is a sort of proto bullet. It was conical at one end, and then it had a flat bed on the sides with a couple of rings carved into it that grease would be put on to help it exit the barrel faster and then it had a concave dome in the bottom so that it would capture the explosion better but it was like i said the modern precursor to the bullet that was into the cartridge and then the snyder conversions apparently turned them from muzzle loading rifles into breech loading rifles so that you could use rudimentary early cartridge style ammunition The type of stuff they might be able to make themselves. Exactly. Stuff that wasn't quite so specifically machined as the stuff that they're using in the bullet farm. All right. So maintaining their independence. Exactly. 
Seeing this motorcycle emerge from behind the war rig, Slit dives behind the engine, and the Valkyrie fires one shot, and she catches the driver of the Razor Cola right through the chin. On first watch, and frankly, second, third, fourth, I kind of assumed that this was a kill. But when you point out that it went through his chin, that's not necessarily a kill. I mean, over time, he'll probably bleed out if he doesn't get any sort of medical attention. But she didn't hit him through the brain. Very true. What it does do, though, is disable the driver enough that it careens off to the side. It takes care of the problem for now, Mm -hmm. at least. I really wish that this was the last time we saw the Razor Cola. I know what happens to it later on, and it breaks my heart. (laughs) Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. All right, I won't spoil it for you. Okay. But for now, it's not something we have to worry about anymore. And where previous victories were celebrated by the war boys with chest beating and fists raised to the heavens, while the Keeper of the Seeds is happy and laughing that this defeat has happened, the Valkyrie, without any sign of over-the-top celebration, she just sits back down onto the back of the bike and they swerve off to the left in order to go take care of more warboys. She's just so razor-focused on the battle happening around them that she doesn't showboat at all. And it's another thing that makes the Valkyrie really cool. Yeah. And as she's, like, peeling away on the bike, you really get a good look at the bike and what's on the back of the bike. And it's two of those explodey spears. Yep. Where'd she get them? Oh, the war rig. The war rig still had explodey spears? Yeah. They've got... Really? I mean, it's a war rig. It's outfitted with all sorts of explosives and things that you would need to fight off folks like the buzzards. Yeah, I just would have thought most of that stuff would be used up by now. Okay, I'll tell you what I wanted the answer to be. I wanted the answer to be that she snuck up behind some of the chasing party and stole them. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been pretty cool. But I'm pretty sure they got them off the war rig itself. Okay, well, that does make more sense. (laughs) In my imagination, she snuck up on other vehicles in the war party and stole them. Okay. With Slit and the Razor Cola taken care of, we cut back into the war rig and we see that there is a dial on the dashboard and there are blinking lights happening and something has gone wrong with the engine. It's been pushed too far and the RPMs are dropping rapidly. One thing I want to call attention to, right next to that gauge, there's a big old hole in the dashboard from the harpoon earlier. Yeah, I noticed that on Monday's Minute. I really like that continuity. Yes. And I couldn't even tell you exactly. Like I didn't remember that it was from the harpoon specifically. But yeah, I really appreciate that detail. Something I also really, really like is the font on the RPMs. The 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Yeah. It's very retro. It's very 70s. It is. Now that I think of it. Yeah. yeah. Just something about it. It reminds me of, I want to say, the Oldsmobile that my grandparents drove back in the 90s. Yeah. Just this old boat of a car that they'd never replaced over the decades. <laughs> Is it possible it was from the 70s? Yeah, probably. All right. My grandparents weren't the kind that would go out and just buy new cars willy-nilly. Right. But getting back into the minute, Max climbs back along the side of the war rig and he gets an update from Furiosa that she needs to back off a bit. Engine one is gone, two is about to blow, things are just not going good right now. And so Max, hearing that information, goes into team leader mode. 
Furiosa is busy driving. Max is the one that's able to be mobile. And so he starts delegating. And so he pops over to the back seat to where Nux is recovering. And he says, hey, are you a black thumb? Like, do you know engines? And Nux, of course, does. And so he sends Nux into the engine cavity. He says, engine one, now. I like that he says black thumb because it's a continuation of things we've heard before. We've heard him referred to as black fingers, but these aren't the same societies. Mm-hmm. Their nicknames, their slang is going to be different. So it has the same feeling about it, but it's different. I think that Max gets to or is willing to take charge in this way that we really haven't seen before because he's not the primary driver. Mm-hmm. Because he has somebody that he trusts, it's her vehicle after all, who can do a fantastic job driving and taking care of that aspect of the vehicle, that he can go do other things. And he has always been a driver. He's always had that responsibility put on his shoulders. And so he's never taken this type of leadership role before. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? This reminds me of the end of Thunderdome. When the, yeah. when Pig Killer was driving and they were on rails, there was no way to screw it up. And so Max was not necessarily telling people what to do, but keeping mobile and going from inside the cabin to outside the cabin and fighting dudes, pulling them off, leaping from car to car. Like, this is classic Max. It's just here we get the added element that he is saying okay nux you do this antoinette you're coming with me we're going to take care of the fifth wheel and he can do that because he is now with a group of capable adults whereas at the end of thunderdome (laughs) he's babysitting children he's babysitting children (laughs) and even thinking back to road warrior at the very end at the last chase when he's got the feral kid and the bullets have spilled out onto the hood of the truck. He sends the feral kid out there because he has to drive the truck. And I think he's frustrated by that. I think he's willing to go out onto the hood of the truck and get the bullets, the cartridges. Like he would do a better job at doing that. He would absolutely do a better job, but he can't leave the driver's seat. This isn't a short round situation where you could just let the kid drive. Yeah. So Nux grabs the tool belt, the one that Furiosa used to strap herself to the bottom of the war rig back when we saw her hanging from the bottom earlier in the movie. And as he climbs out this door, he takes one last look at Capable before he goes. No kiss for luck this time. No, but his look is a little sad. So is hers. That they both know that he's going to go do something very dangerous. He's going to go work on an engine while that engine is speeding down the road. It's interesting that you say sad because... Looking at Capable at second 33, the expression on her her face says to me, go do this. I know you can do this. I have confidence in you. And Nux's look in response when you click over to like 34, 35, it's him receiving that nonverbal reassurance to say, "Okay, yes, I will go do this. I definitely agree that her look is more determined than sad. Maybe I'm just projecting. Because I know what happens. I know that it's going to get sad. Well, it will get sad, but not because climbing into the engine. (laughs) No. And to reiterate a subject that I'm sure I've reiterated almost every minute for the last however long. Again, this is a new experience for Nux. 
he's never had somebody look at him like that before with this encouragement and this confidence and to receive that and to like take it in and let that bolster you another new experience for him so with nux going into the engine and max taking antoinette to take care of the fifth wheel we cut back to the end of the tanker where we find joy and melita sitting in the rear vw bug fortification and they are looking out at all of the vehicles that are approaching them in the war party and these vehicles are pretty spread out so they're kicking up a lot of dust probably hiding their true numbers in that cloud of dust. I mean, they're not doing the sand people thing. They're not going single file. It's not like they're trying to minimize the tracks that they leave behind. No, but I'm sure they are aware that they can hide their numbers in the dust. Yeah. And so Melita says one man, one bullet as a way, I'm sure, to prepare them for the violence they're about to participate in. Like, remember the mantra. We're not wasting ammunition. We're sharpshooters. So let's take these guys out one by one. I like the idea of one man, one bullet being a mantra. It really says something about their culture and how they've been living their lives. I like it. Can we cut backwards just for a second? I just want to point something out. At 36, we get a good look at Furiosa's driver's side rear view mirror. And it's a hand mirror. Oh, yeah. Turned upside down and just strapped to where there used to be a mirror. And it looks like it's broken. It's probably more effective than trying to use the circular mirror that's mounted above it like yeah that mirror is for blind spots so it needs to be pointed where it's at but it doesn't show you a further out mm -hmm. angle that's pretty ingenious right there do you think the vuvolini had one of those or do you think they picked it up off a stash somewhere trying to remember because well back in the beginning of the movie there was actual mirror there right we saw it get broken we saw a mirror get broken. I don't remember which side it was. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a new addition from the Vuvolini. Hmm. Well, you gotta know what's coming up on your side. Yeah. Speaking of the Vuvolini, we get this great shot of the war party coming like from underneath the camera, but they're, they're not alone. The Valkyrie is there too. Yep. She has found a way to skirt around them and then come in behind them, and we get a Good look at these plow vehicles that are going to come into play next week when They're they start launching harpoons. But we get a real good look at there's one on the right with these huge claws on a levered arm. And then the one on the left has smaller claws. But these guys are designed, as we're going to see, to latch onto the back of a vehicle, drop those hooks into the earth and then slow down whatever they're attached to. So it would make sense for the Valkyrie to come up behind them and just start eliminating them one by one to keep them from slowing everything down in the first place. And I love the idea. The last time we saw her, she was peeling off to the left. And then all of a sudden she shows up in the pack. I think this is where I kind of get the idea that she snuck up to a vehicle and stole the boomsticks. Mm. I think I'm calling them by a different name every time. Which is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So with Thunderstick in hand, they come up beside one plow car and she jabs the inside of the vehicle with the Thunderstick. I'm going to guess that the current driver of that vehicle was severely burned. That's certainly a safe assumption. Yeah. Is it enough, though? I don't believe so, because I'm pretty sure this very vehicle still hooks the back of the tanker. 
So there's a war boy on top. There's a war boy inside. There's a war boy in the engine cavity up front. And then there's a fourth one sitting in the back. I think the driver and the war boy on top get disabled in some way. And then the war boy in front, he grabs this flail. There's a spiked ball on the end of a chain, like he's out of some medieval Ren Faire thing. And he swings <laughs> it around over his head and clocks Maddie pretty much right in the face. Like she holds up her arm to block it, but he pretty much hits her square in the face. And that sends both Maddie and the Valkyrie tumbling to the ground. It's so unfortunate that they were taken out so quick because they were so awesome. Mm-hmm. Just nimble and smart. Well, if we've said it one time, we've said it a million. Motorcycles, they're quick and nimble, but they have crap for armor. Yep. Like they're glass cannons, as it were. Mm. Maddie doesn't fare too well in this whole situation. But as I mentioned at the top of this minute, the Valkyrie is able to do this cool tactical side roll thing and at least land mostly on her knees in what kind of looks like a superhero landing. It does. You gotta pause it just at the right place. Like, at second 59 and a half. Yeah. You can see how she lands capable of doing more. She's not done. But we just don't really get an answer to that because it's the end of the minute. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that stood out to me about these harpoon and plow cars is that the war boys aren't painted white. They look to be painted yellow to me. Really? Okay, I'm gonna... Yeah, go back to second 55. 55. And take a look at that war boy sitting at the front of that vehicle. Ooh, and the one on top of the vehicle, too, who's laying down, he looks injured. He's also not painted white. It's almost an orangey-yellow color. I think these war boys are from the bullet farm. Oh, well, let's see. If they're from the bullet farm, then they will have decorative bullets around somewhere. And the one on the top of the vehicle and the one at the front, they both have bandoliers. Yes, they do. With big old elephant bullets. I think they are definitely from the bullet farm. So it's interesting to me that the bullet farm would have the harpoon and plow cars to slow things down. I wonder if they employ these type of vehicles in order to attack vehicles that they suspect have ammunition within them without having to shoot at the vehicle that could potentially explode. Like, a harpoon will, yes, hook into a vehicle, but it's not the same as shooting it with a flamethrower. If there's dynamite in there, a harpoon probably won't make it explode the same way a bullet will. Right. And the Citadel War Boys definitely favor the boomsticks. Mm-hmm. Thundersticks. They're called Thundersticks, Julia. <laughs> they use them an awful lot. You're right, not really appropriate for the types of vehicles that the Bullet Farm War Boys are interested in. Now, we're going to see several different types of plows on the backs of these vehicles. But what I like about this one that's featured at the end of this minute is that the hooks at the end of the arm look to be actual plows, like you would find on something that would get drawn by a horse. I think it's three of them right next to each other. But I think I like the giant hook claw looking things a little bit better, stylistically speaking. Oh, for sure. They are much more intimidating. But either way, we'll be able to see all of them in action. We'll also be able to catch up with the Valkyrie and Maddie and see how they're doing once we get to next week's minutes. 
a little bit of a short one here on Friday, but with how much moving around there is, we got to keep things moving equally quick. So come back on Monday when we see the Valkyrie and Maddie make their last stand. The War Boys will start being a real drag, and Max will head to the back of the tanker with the bolt cutters. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 93 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.